Hej och välkommen till Radio Rakel med Ugräs. Um, jag heter Maria Ersta och teknikern vår är er Hadi. Tusen tack till dig Hadi. Och um, idag så ska vi ha ett intervju och för första gången så blir det på engelsk. So today at uh, Radio Rakel um, we have Feli Muk. And um, you are a molecular biologist, um, and that's very exciting. I've never had a molecular biologist at uh, the UGES uh, before. I've mostly talked about history and philosophy of herbal medicine, but now we're really going into the details. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to that. Your background is in... Um, looking at medicinal medicinal aromatic plants um and uh phyto you done phyto sourcing uh your special interest is in secondary metabolites incredibly interesting um and at the moment you're doing your phd on genome screening and chemical profiling um for um authentic authentication of Chinese herbs with two formulas. So welcome, Feli. Thank you, Mari, very much. <laughs> it was so great to get introduced in Norwegian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm very keen on learning Norwegian very soon, but so far I haven't had or haven't found time and everyone speaks English perfectly in Norway, mm, so yeah. <laughs> I don't feel the need so much. Yeah, no, but no. I mean, because you're German, so it's not actually that far off. Norwegian That's what everyone says, but it's still an effort to learn a different yeah. foreign language. I guess, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't really understand German, so I can't really expect that you understand Norwegian either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So And thanks sorry. for your introduction, Yeah. introducing me. And yeah, all about the phytosourcing, what I've done before, and my focus on medicina and aromatic plants actually is derived from... Um, my interest into horticulture as well, and I have yes. a master in horticulture. You have a background in horticulture as well. Yeah. So that's how I stripe the field of uh, medicinal and aromatic plants, and it's a very nice combination as I'm very familiar with molecular analytical methods. Mm. And chemical overlap, yeah. From and chemical methods to analyze plants. Yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. Right. And there are um, there are two formulas that you're working with at the moment, and mm-hmm. there's one plant in particular that we'll be talking about today. Mm-hmm. Can I just ask you how is the Norwegian common name for this plant? It's kvam. Ah, kvam. So yeah, we've we've spoken o- about it at Ugres on the radio before, um, and there are several Norwegian names and also Sami names, particularly in the Sami language, they have like different names for all the different growth stages and that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I don't really know that. Um, so yeah, I really relate to it as Kvam, um, but in English it's Angelica. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. But before and we, yeah, sorry. Yeah, because I work on uh, Chinese herbs, so... The Chinese name actually is, um, I hope I can pronounce it right, <laughs> Dangui. Mm-hmm. That's a Chinese angelica root, which uh, 
Ja. Ja. I'm specialized on. But yes. Yeah. What were you saying before? And uh, yeah, because Angelica, it's Arch Angelica, the, the European one at St. Sinensis, the, uh, the one you're working with. Um, and we'll be looking at a sort of if there are any overlaps in the use or how, how people understand it. Um, and also talk a bit about uh, your, your molecular understanding of it. Um, but before we go into the details of Angelica, I'd, I'd be really interested to hear about these formulas because in Chinese medicine, um, it seems that, you know, it's quite important the way plants are put together um, mm-hmm. in themselves. And it's, uh, yeah. So the principles of composing a Chinese formula are actually quite compl- complex. 2,000 years ago, people would mostly use uh, single ingredients, like single medicinal um, herbs. But then with time, people understood and learned how to compose different plants together. I think in uh, Western herbal medicine, you do that as well. That's true. But maybe not as complex as in... uh, Chinese medicinal yes. approach? I think often I, I uh, use single plants as well and, and also sort of three together or four together um, and, and, and sometimes maybe up to nine um, or eleven but but um, but not um, yeah I think not as commonly many as, mm-hmm. as in Chinese medicine. Yeah so I um, focus on two formulas which are both focused on the treatment of female disorders mm-hmm. in the lower abdomen. So that's where my interest for Angelica comes from. Mm. And one of the formulas has five plant species and the other one has 12 plus one animal uh, animal feces of the sl- flying squirrel. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And this is not available here in Europe. It's not allowed Right. Yes. Yeah. So they try to um, add up for it was uh, a composition of two plants, which kind of mimic the effect of th- of that uh, animal leftover. Um, mm-hmm. And those two plants are allowed in in Europe or in Norway. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. And well, <laughs> Norway is a different thing yeah, <laughs> too because. Yeah. I don't know, I think you've striped it before, but the regulations are so strict and it's really difficult strict. to get to herbal, um, medicinal, plant material. It's very hard like to, to import, but it's also hard to be able to be allowed to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very strictly mm-hmm. regulated. And coming back to the formulas, the Chinese formulas, to compose the formulas, mm. they're actually quite strict rules and lots of things to consider when putting up a s- multi-species formula and the formula is divided into four parts in a traditional way in the chief, deputy, assistant and envoy plant materials. So the chief plant is actually the one which is supposed to drive the main therapeutic action in the formula mm-hmm. and the um, deputy, deputy, I don't know your <laughs> pronunciation. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Um, 
should strengthen this effect uh-huh. and sometimes helps for the secondary patterns of the patients because one disease mostly is derived from an imbalance and a particular patient-specific pattern. Oh, so can the deputy like be changed according to what the person um, needs? Yes. Yeah, But not the chief uh, of that mix? The chief is really for the treatment of the particular disease or the syndrome. Right. But the syndrome is derived from a specific cause, which is a lot broader and involves different imbalances in the body, body body-mind, a specific pattern which can be worked on. Yeah. And the deputy herb is supposed to uh, work on that one. And then there's the assistant one, which is supposed to assist the chief and the deputy and as well to have an auxiliary effect, right? Um, it can even control the harsh properties of the main, the chief and the deputy herb. Mm. And the envoy medicinal herb um, kind of has two roles as well. Like it channels the envoy medicinal uh, or the it channels... It guides the other medicinal herbs. So, so it goes to the right place in the yes, body. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we use that as well. And ah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And um, it should have a harmonizing uh, effect to harmonize all the actions of the different... So when you say harmonize, you mean like... Um, with Within the quality, if it's too much of one quality, it kind of tonifies that down a bit with a with a different uh, sort of opposing effects. Yeah, I think tonifying is a is a good word to describe its action. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, one of the formulas I work with is called drive out stasis below the diaphragm mm-hmm. decoction. Most of the formulas are used in. Uh, Decoction traditionally wise, they all uh, decoctions. So that's boiled, um, boiled herbs. Yeah, mm-hmm. just put in water and boiled for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly. They're different, uh, or not different, but they're very clear instructions on how to boil it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't think we should cover it now. No, not too much detail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is very trendy now in uh, China mm-hmm. or different parts of Asia? are granules. Okay. So you drink your instant Chinese herbal tea uh-huh. instead of uh, getting the different decoction pieces of the different herbs and mm. boiling it all up, which makes me a huge mess, which takes some time. Yeah. But you just have your powder, you put it into hot water, yeah. and you're ready to drink your Chinese herbal medicinal drink. I guess that fits with the modern kind of stressful everyday to be able to have a quick solution there. But there's a big issue around it. I mean, this is actually where my PhD, where I'm going to focus on with my work as well, because I'm interested if the granules are as um, effective. Yeah. How the quality is compared to the traditional decoction. Definitely, definitely. And and I would also think, Mm. like, just there, the whole process of someone, like taking the time to boil up some water for themselves and like 
the sitting down and making sure it all goes well and then pouring it out and that in itself might be like a therapeutic aspect of the medicine but sorry continue yeah we quickly forget about about this aspect right? yeah yeah it's all right yeah mm. to actually take care be conscious consciously aware of uh like treating yourself in a good way yeah mm -hmm. yeah like giving the body your own body some time and being like i want to prioritize my body Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so far I have uh, sampled raw herbal material, the decoction pieces and the granules. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to compare all the single ingredients and check them genetic-wise and chemical-wise. Mm. Uh, I don't know how far you want to talk about the methods, because the methods are actually the important part yeah. about my PhD because it's very complicated and we, in general, we aim to have more effective methods, right? precise methods, mm. which can be integrated in the pharmacopoeias world. We have different pharmacopoeias. So mm -hmm. far, only the British and the Chinese pharmacopoeia work with uh, DNA barcoding to actually identify different species because there's a lot of adulterations and misidentifications of different species in these formulas. Mm. So that's an issue with Angelica. In uh, Europe too? Like yeah. In yes. Yeah. Ah, so I mean, w if b when you buy it, yes. uh, I don't have experience of that being a problem. But I think a lot of the thing, the problem, like in Norway, people go out and try to find them themselves and then they might find the wrong one if they don't know properly. And then that, that potentially can be really, really dangerous. Um, there's the cell snapper, the the one that's um, gives you a painful death if you if you eat that one. So oh. uh, yeah. <laughs> What's the scientific name of that one? Um, let me see. It's Sicuta uh, virosa. Okay, yeah. maybe you can uh, show me uh, at some point <laughs> outside <Yes. laughs> in the field. Yes, it's got mm -hmm. like, it's, it's uh, you know, Angelica's got a very round kind of where all the little flowers are at the top. Um, whereas uh, Selsnepa has got a much more flat um, sort of uh, flower head. And its roots are more yellowish. And they've got little holes in the roots, like little sort of cavities, whereas Angelica doesn't, yeah. Yeah, it's so difficult for lions to differentiate between different species. I mean, it's reasonable that people misidentify plant species. Yeah. But um, it's a real problem if this happens on a big scale and if people just produce um, miscounterfeit products. Yeah. Which can have lethal effects in some cases of uh, Chinese herbal medicinal products. Exactly, and if you're using that for real, for like a, for a serious condition, then you know you can make w uh, bad worse. Yeah, uh, is that an expression in English? Maybe not. Yeah. And I checked for because Dangui, the Angelica sinensis radix, is yeah. endemic to China. That's the root. Sorry, that's the root of the Chinese. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. And um, so that one grows all over China. No, no. It actually grows in a particular region. Um, <laughs> in the Gansu province, which is north of China, and uh, 
Nowadays, the rootstocks are harvested in late autumn, or nowadays, they've always been harvested in late autumn, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they they derive mostly from cultivated crops. Okay, so they cultivate it. They cultivate it nowadays. So I don't know if you n- know this kind of... Di- On terraced mountainous uh, slopes Yeah. in a high altitude. Uh-huh. 2,500 to thir- uh, 3,000 meters. Oh, altitude. that's excellent. It's super high. Yeah. yeah. So this changes the secondary metabolites for sure. Yeah, that's like above noise, almost above noise, highest mountain. Yeah, I imagine it's, like, it's wow. very high up. <laughs> um, this would be very interesting for me to check on too, because I work with um, Sideritis syriaca, with, which is a Greek mountain tea, which yeah. became quite famous in... Uh, Mid-Europe, <laughs> I yeah. guess here in Norway too, in Germany at least. Yeah. We like to drink it as a kafti and uh, just it has a very nice taste. And I checked natural populations high up in the White Mountains of Crete. Yes. Compared to cultivated plants, which were which I cultivated in a hydroponic system. And I checked if the altitude actually has a, an input mm. on the quality of the herb yeah. in terms of uh, the total phenolic composition or um, compounds, the antioxidant yeah. activity. Yeah. Yeah. And well, nowadays, back to the Angelica. But, but what did you <laughs> yeah. find when you tested? Yeah, there's a, there, there's a huge difference. Huge I difference. mean, you can't... Right. Um, how do you say imitate, right? Compare. Yeah. yeah, because in cultivation approaches, the aim is actually to you find a way to yeah. imitate. Yes. Um, mm. The plant grows. Yeah. Biomass is a huge factor for horticulture always because it's always about the yield. Yes. How I much mean, to we earn? It's yeah. always about the economy. Yeah. <laughs> finally, yeah. or in eventually, this makes up for. Uh, the money you have for research a lot. Right. But except from the biomass, the quality is changed a lot. Very much. And S- it's very difficult to imitate the natural factors which contribute to high quality. I mean, but, but cultivating high up, that is maybe one of yeah, the things one can sure. do. And that's because the plants are so well adapted to the harsh conditions and they produce yeah. a different composition of uh, secondary metabolites because yeah. of that yeah and the low water or cold affects the development mm. of secondary compounds they basically become more effective as medicines yeah yeah but it's but that's really i think that's really important for norwegians to understand because like that is a resource that is in norway and and there are farms like high up that grow herbal herbs uh, for teas, and there's such a difference with that uh, than the the ones that you can buy from from um, uh, European countries with like low le- altitude. Yeah, yeah. I think you even uh, realize it when you have uh, oregano on your terrace, mm. and you smell it. The smell, yeah, <laughs> which is uh, a result of the low lo- molecular. Um, Compounds is not as strong a- at all mm. compared to the smell of oregano, which is grown in very high al- altitudes. That's true. Yeah. 
Yeah. Just if someone wants to try. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I don't know if you know, because like in Norway, um, uh, Angelica has been cultivated like from like Viking age. It was a really big uh, thing. And it was this like, you couldn't go into someone else's Angelica um, for, uh, garden. And if you did, they would like, by right of law, they'd be allowed to, to beat you up. <laughs> if you try to steal something so it was this really like really important thing that i think was exported also to europe but it was slightly um slightly different the like the, the stems they weren't hollow they were uh f filled the cultivated version um so there was kind of more meat in the in the in the stem do you know if the cultivated version in, in china is is different from the wild one uh, from what I've uh, read so far, <laughs> yeah, there's no big difference. Yeah, no. Yeah, because and it's very this species which is uh, cultivated, and they established uh, cultivation approach approaches in the eighties after the, the species became very rare in the wild. Mm -hmm. So it was a governmental approach actually to cultivate right this particular Angelica sinensis. Yeah. And, but the white populations are supposed to be still rare and endangered. Mm. They are not listed on the red list. Oh, uh, why not? Political reasons? They just not evaluated. I don't know, oh, okay. really. Yeah, it's just like mm. not covered, like they haven't checked it properly. Yeah, maybe, or they haven't made a survey yet. Yeah. I mean, this is a status from 2016. Maybe something has uh, changed in the meanwhile. Mm. Or yeah, the endangered, like the status, status of the plant has, has changed. Yeah, something could be. And in fact, there are lots of different local varieties. I mean, this is the one very famous one which is used in traditional medicine yeah but there are lots of uh, oh adulterations yeah which is okay with the in terms of the traditional chinese medicine i mean it doesn't have to be only this particular plant right. i don't know in some it varies region wise yeah i guess even um this derived many years or it has a history because people just didn't have access to that species that particular and they yeah. um, made up for it was a different species. I guess China's like it's so massive that the probably the Angelica has adapted to all these different areas and become a bit different, I don't know, in yeah. the different regions. So what I found, there are actually six different species which are used as well as unofficial substitutes. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't be, they are not mentioned in the Chinese Materia Medica, but uh, it's completely fine to use them. One mm. is uh, Angelica gigas nakai, and the other one is Angelica megafila dields. Another one is called A. polymorpha, Angelica valida dields. Nigusticum mm clausensis, -hmm. or <laughs> I mean all these Latin names, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this doesn't tell us much. 
Well, just that there's lots of different ones. Yes, so yeah. it's not so easy to differentiate. Yes, yeah. yeah. And they look quite alike, some of them. Right. So there we are back to the problem of misidentification as well. But if they can use be used interchangeably, then I guess... But still, if you put like a plan on your ingredient list, it should be the plan you put on your list. I mean... But what if it's no been way. used for centuries, that plant, instead? Yeah, but then you have to specify the scientific name yeah. on your ingredient list. Right. If you produce any product or if you make up any formula, you should be clear about what plant you use. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lack of knowledge, I guess, as well. Because to <laughs> really differentiate these plant species, you're ve- either like a traditional Chinese practitioner, you have lots of experience, you're a botanist, you Mm. are (laughs) some kind of a specialist. Yeah, whereas people going out and picking the plants might not necessarily have that kind of background. But with all these species, in contrast to what you said, I mean, they don't have any problem with uh, toxicity. Yes, yes. So well, in no way also there are there are other species that don't have a f- so, such a, uh, a notable effect, but they but they aren't toxic as well. Mm. So you can get the wrong one and still not um yeah, have have a really negative reaction. Yeah. But then you have the poisonous one as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So but <laughs> If you use Angelica, <laughs> you want to use it for a reason. And actually, Definitely. Angelica in Chinese herbal medicine as well as one of the primary herbs when it comes to gynecological problems, yes. diseases. Yeah. It is known to tonify the blood and regulate the menses, um, especially if you have blood deficiency, uh, if you have menstrual pain, mm. if you lack your period, mm. the regulation of it called amenorrhea right yeah um it's especially warm and disperses the cold yeah if you experience a cold in your lower abdomen Mm. and it is as well used as a pain release relief relief yeah yeah I mean, that's kind of the reason why the Vikings used Angelica too, right? For pain and disinfection of the wounds. I think they thought of it also as a as a um, for for female conditions. Yeah, yeah, mm. fertility. Uh, yeah, right. Much of the things that you have said. Yeah, it's definitely considered a very hot plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's um, used as well in Chinese medicine for uh, especially women, because many women, I do sometimes too, suffer from cold feet, cold hand, yeah. and in combination with uh, cinnamon, which is very warming too, mm. it's like a very warming power shot. <laughs> Gets the blood flowing around to yeah. all the uh-huh. toes and fingers and every little part of the body, which is useful in general, right? It's good to get the blood around to to include every part of oneself. Yeah, really useful. As long as it's not, um, if you're not too hot already, <laughs> yeah, there might be a bit overkill. Something I've read which you have to be careful um, for is uh, if you actually um, tend to have very loose stool, 
You shouldn't oh. use Angelica too much because uh, it can um, cause a more severe effect. Yeah, even. yeah. I guess it depends so it on the reason for the blue stool, but that could yeah, be, yeah. yeah. And also what else is in the mix, but I think mm -hmm. that's true. I've also heard like um, because I haven't mm, yeah it's sorry. sweetness like tonifies and moistens moistens a lot and um, yes yeah and that's okay. really interesting because um, I've I've also heard that Chinese in Chinese medicine it's considered moist whereas in Western medicine it's definitely considered dry it's like a really drying plant <laughs> wow <laughs> it's so interesting isn't it. Um, How would you explain that different well, perception of? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's completely it's, the opposite, it's and it's in the key characteristics of. Uh, yeah, its properties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And healing effects. Uh -huh. um, well, it's. I think uh, one aspect is that, like over time, it will be drying because of the heat. It will drive out the water. Mm -hmm. So one could say, okay, so it might be m locally moist, moisturing in the digestive tract. Um, because it kind of uh, it, it can do that a bit, but um, but underlyingly, I w like I think of it as a as a drying plant. Um, yeah, but its local effect could be very interesting, no? I mean, local localized on the intestine, mm. where lots of problems from dryness arrive, constipation, for example. Lots of problems from dryness arise in the intestine. Yeah, and you yeah you can and use it for dryness, uh, but you can also use it for moist conditions. Like mm. I don't, I won't see it necessarily particularly contraindicated in in loose stores. Mm. I can see that definitely in some cases it's not indicated because it's got so much movement. It's got it's so active, but at the same time. Um, that activity isn't necessarily the moistness, it's it's the circulation aspect that I relate to that. Mm -hmm. um, and what other key attributes would you give that? Um, well, yeah, sweet, as you say as well, and a little bit bitter. Um, mm -hmm. uh, nutritious, it's, it's really good for kind of building up, and I also really relate it to kind of the blood. Um, and slightly astringent, sort of pulling together. Um, I, we use it in Western medicine, for, as I said, similar conditions for female, like menstrual pains, really good for cramp. I think it's one of the key herbs, specific herbs for, for menstrual cramps. Um, and to bring on periods. Um, in some cases, it can be used for heavy bleeding, but sometimes it can make the heavy bleeding worse. So you have to really know what you're doing if you use it for, for heavy bleeding. And also, in some cases, it can be used for um, menopause, menopausal conditions, but mm -hmm. it's, it can also be really contraindicated there <laughs> because of the heat. Um, and it might just bring in too much heat, too much movement. Uh, often uh, menopausal women sort of find it's a nice kind of plant to have in their mix, but actually it it can, yeah, cause problems. Um, and it's been used for coughs in Western medicine uh, and for um, sort of just to stimulate Im immunity. Um, 
And some sources say that it's sort of quite relaxing. And I really like that aspect of it that's kind of, it has all this like really active stuff. But at the same time, it's, it, it doesn't over-activate uh, the, the nervous system too much. Um, so that's kind of the tonifying, the more kind of balancing. Um, I hope that the lang our language is understandable for the listeners. <laughs> it gets a bit kind of uh, uh, specialised, but yeah, hopefully. Just let us know if, if it's too complicated. Send an email um, or whatever. I mean, you're listening. You're listening to Radio Rakel FM 99.3. I'm Mari Gerstad. The technician is Hadi and talking to Feli about Kwan Angelica. Um, yeah. So, and the interesting differences between Western and Eastern um, traditions. Um, I have one question. Yeah. Uh, so do you have uh, in European herbal medicine, do you use decoctions, right? Mostly? Yeah, we do that as well. I think Or in my training, we had mostly tinctures. Um, like alcohol, utrek, alcohol utrek, yeah, 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 left in alcohol no, over. But for the Angelica, I mean, in yes. particular, yes. yeah, um, uh. yeah. Also, but uh, but I would, but we would also use uh, uh, decoctions. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, coming to Norway, that's kind of the only way of, of being able to practice is to use this kind of stuff. Um, but what we do with, with Angelica is also use it a lot in food. Um, they make like soup and uh, in, in, in baked uh, food, in uh, just a little bit as a spice. You can make kind of pestos, you can use the seeds, you can fry up. I got this, I met this woman on the, uh, in North Norway, no, on the, on the coast of North Norway, and she had this she had loads of angelica growing around where she lived and she just took them in and then just chopped chopped them up and fried them up and she <laughs> ate them like really often and she was this really vibrant like woman and and yeah I, it was inspiring anyway <laughs> <laughs> um but it's, do you know if that's something that happens a lot in china as well like this um use in food i checked it up and in fact most of the cultivations yes Like they are for vegetable as a vegetable source yeah. or for the preparation of decoctions. Uh -huh. Because you and for the preparations of the decoctions you mm. use the root mostly. Yeah. Nowadays the whole root. And there are different methods to process it. And that's very um important in the traditional Chinese medicine. Yeah. Which we don't do in the Western herbal medicine, right? And that also, that might be another explanation for why you consider it moist. It might have, like, it might have changed uh, the medicinal quality of that plant through the preparation. Do, does that make sense to you or do you think that's just... Um, it makes sense to me very much. Mm, the characteristics get changed a lot. So you, if you imagine you... Like the different process for Angelica, for example, is the wine processing of the root slices. Wine processing? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, with yellow wine, rice wine. So it's like Or making a, wa a wine from base with the root. No, no, no. You um, 
conserve it in wine. Oh, so that's like a tincture. That's kind of the same as in the West, except for that. But then you get the pieces out again, like you use the pieces, which were kind ah, of processed in the so wine. So you don't take the, use the wine, no, you no, use no, the pieces. No, no, you use the pieces. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what they mostly do with Angelica, the wine processing. Would that give it extra? Because just to give you an imagination about the processing techniques, which are called pauche. Yeah. So it's possible to process your herbal medicine with honey, with Chinese yellow wine, with Chinese vinegar, um, with uh, concoctions, which can be derived from black beans or soybeans or ginger, licorice, pepper, salt, even stir-frying with so- uh, soil, for example. With, rice. S- with soya? Soil. Soil, ah, with earth. With earth. Yeah. Rice, wheat bran, and uh, powders from clams, for example. (laughs) That mystic thing about Chinese medicine comes into play. And processing with uh, milk and fat is uh, uh, applied as well. Yeah, there's so many different methods, and all these methods have a drastic influence on the chemical characteristics and yeah. the bioactivity of different uh, compounds. Yeah, uh, that means like how, how you absorb into the body these things. Yeah. How you absorb them, what kind of chemical constituents are actually there, yeah. what do you find. Yeah. Because, for example, alkaloids get changed a lot, the toxicity level thus right. gets changed a lot. Yeah, yeah. What kind of effect it has on your body. Mm. And that's very important. Definitely, alkaloids. That's very very important yeah so yeah but the angelica one gets processed mostly with the wine as far as i understood but it can be the sun-dried sulfur-dried raw decoction pieces as well and do sometimes all of like in your formula do sometimes all of the plants get processed together or do they get processed each on their own and then they each on their own right so every single ingredient for a formula actually has a different source mm-hmm. source of origin yeah and different manufacturing process and they get put together in a later chain a point of the whole processing chain yeah mm. but this is great on the one hand side because you have all the specialists for each herb mm. But there are lots of different stages of processing, mm. which means at lots of different points, time points, adulteration and can occur. Mm. Something can go wrong. And it's very complex to actually assess the quality of a multi-species formula. Yes. I mean, just one plant is, is, right? is challenging it's enough. It's complicated, yeah. yeah. But then you got all of those plants together and all of those stages of, of, of how it changes. And it's not, we're not able anymore to morphologically um, distinguish the plants mm. any longer because they're so highly processed. Yeah. And in case of granules, no way. I mean, it's uh, powder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how did you do that? And that's why now for quite a while people uh, genetically identify the different plant species, which is a great method. Yeah. But it needs further development as, for example, the species composition within a formula is quite um, important as well for the treatment. Mm-hmm. 
as we said before, you have the chief herb. Yeah. So mostly it has the highest composition within uh, concentration within the species composition as well. And this is important for the whole medicinal effect yeah. of our uh, formula. Yeah. But with genetic identification of the different plant species, we're still not able to quantify the different. Uh, oh, so you can't measure how much you have of each plant? We are getting there, but it's very <laughs> tricky. Mm. But uh, mm. Because it's based on every single DNA rate. Right. And but like, is that how much of the active, or not the active, but the uh, secondary metabolites you have in the plant? Or is it how much of the actual plant is in the mix? How much of the actual plant is in the mix. Okay, okay, yeah. This is one thing. <laughs> I mean, the quality is... Yeah. How do you find good quality? That's an another huge topic. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there are so many different uh, factors within which influence the quality. Definitely. It starts from... Uh, the cultivation of the places where the herbs grow. Yeah. What we said before, all yeah. the like um, the altitude or yeah, all the different parameters. Yeah. Yeah. Of the ecosystem and mm. uh, yeah, and 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 you find there are so big differences between plants. It's that's like all the biotic and abiotic factors which influence yeah the quality of the initial raw plant. Yeah. And its growth. And then the way people pick it, the way people store it, the way people time is very important, yes. especially for mm. the chemical constituents. Yeah. So lots of the antioxidant uh, capacity of lots of plants, like even in olive oil, which is well known, you need a very quick and efficient way of processing. Otherwise, lots of your antioxidant capacity is lost. Right, right. Yeah. And um, what? How? How do you measure? I mean, could you go into more detail about how you actually do it, or is it just really <laughs> complicated? Because I don't know anything about it. Mm. So there are two parts: the genetic part and the chemical part. Yeah. So now um, the question is. <laughs> Which one? Where? What do we want to know? Yeah, um, I think the, uh, the the I think they're both really interesting. Um, I mean, I, I guess I guess in, instead of going into detail with actually how you actually do it um, first, might or or it might be more interesting for the listeners um, to talk about how like how possible is it like can one even imagine mapping out a formula properly and being like this this is what it contains and this is how much it's got of the different stuff and like is it possible to s make a a clear statement about that with the different identification methods yeah with with the methods that one has today yes and so of course there are errors, yeah. biases which can occur. Right. Um 
a certain level of uncertainty is there for some things. Uh, I just want to make an example. If you, for example, check the DNA of every single species, mm. um, you get the DNA <laughs> in most cases. Mm-hmm. You face difficulties with the granules because the DNA is very degraded. Right. And, but if you're lucky, and in most cases, you would find species A, B, C, D mm. is in your mix. Super nice. You prove that. But then, in addition, you get some more species, and you wonder, hey, <laughs> something sneaked in. <laughs> something sneaked in, but yeah. it could just be like a minor part of a pollen of a different plant, which is some... Uh, the plants you pick in a field. Right. Yeah, yeah. You can yeah. see all of that in okay. your assessment. Yeah, that's confusing. That's confusing. But it's also a part of what's there. But it's a part of what's there and it yeah. says something about the area where you pick your plants and it's mm. completely uh, natural, no? I mean... <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. But you just have to be aware about it mm. when you analyze it. Mm. Yeah. But because in in the West there's these uh, this thing about standardizing herbal products, which um, I think is a bit um, yeah worth being aware about. Is like you, you've got these powders in capsules, and then they're like they measure the act that what they um, the opinion is what's the active ingredient according to whatever research is out there, and then if that ingredient isn't enough, they would like top up that ingredient. With, How? With, uh, they would just add sort of their own, like not from the plant. Um, so there's a standard level of that ingredient because the plants come from all over, as we said, and they have all different levels. Um, Are we talking about herbal medicinal products or like the medicinal products or about food supplements? Mm, we're talking about supplements now, going over into Like supplements. food supplements. Yeah, okay, yeah. Which are allowed here in Norway as well. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it's very uh, good to be aware of these processes. It's not only the plants that's in there, it's also stuff that they've added that they th- uh, sort of have an opinion that this is going to work. Um, but is that a danger in Chinese medicine? Because uh, you said that it's gone over to these powders instead of um, instead of the actual way you can see the roots. Um, can you see that being, like, coming into the market? That's... A huge issue, mm. in fact, yeah. the counterfeit, counterfeit products on the market and substituted pharmaceuticals, especially. Mm-hmm. I call it pharmaceuticals or synthetic uh, yeah. chemicals. Yeah. When we talk about products for female gynecological reasons, they might add ibuprofen, something... And in not oh. regulated, they just add it in. You would find such products on the open market, yeah. Right. I mean, that's uh, that's uh, the thing about uh, lots of herbal um, products and food supplements which yeah. you find online. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you face that in the West and in the East uh, with uh, mm. um, yeah. different products. Yeah. That you find substitutions which are not supposed to be in there, and they have a certain a high risk, in fact. Mm-hmm. And consumers don't know about it or are so naive to just... 
consume all of these healthy food supplements. Yes. Which don't state the source of origin, which have some questionable, um, even mm, packaging, packaging yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I think, but that's a, in terms of regulation, that's. Uh, a huge problem and we lack regulation and standardization yeah yeah of these products yeah well standardization i just i don't think that's a good idea to be honest like when it comes to plants if you're going to standardize and add in some other thing no that's no. like <laughs> it's not great but but um yeah, yeah i've heard about what you've you've described before. yes yeah yeah mm. but but i think yeah i, I think to be honest, I really like it when you can see the roots and you can see what you've got and you can like smell it, touch it, you know what it is. And okay, it will take more time for you to to boil it up or whatever. But then there's there's a much more kind of sensory experience um, around it. And, and, and when you taste it, it's like not just in a capsule, you can actually taste it. Like the qualities we spoke about, it's, uh, it's very related to taste. Um, but just coming back to... Um, uh, to you and, and your background and everything. I just wanted to ask because this program is called Ugres, which means uh, weeds, um, uh, like plants that grow in the garden that, um, that come in wherever they want to come. Do you have any, any weeds that you like from Germany or from wherever? Are there any plants that you... Um, appreciate <laughs> growing out there any plants or yeah any plants that you trees yeah i i mean trees do are considered weeds by some uh, people who who run forests right yeah uh so i love old trees yeah the ones that are really old yep <laughs> the ones which are really old yeah have nice uh, leaves yeah. And I'm very solid and stable. I don't face winds and storms. Um, That's wonderful. Like Quercus for the scientific. Oak? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a very solid... Quercus uh, petrea, like the um, stone oak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. That one I love. Uh, there are lots of plants. I just uh, like to be somewhere where it's green and I'm surrounded by lots of plants and nature. Super. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all need that. I think so too. Yeah. And we are often surrounded by nature, but it's also about yeah being able to take it in as well. Sort of really experience it. And That's breathe. a great experience about uh, being here in Oslo. Yeah. I'm in the capital city, but it's so green, <laughs> and I feel yeah. uh, nature's so close. It's true. Yeah. yeah, it's a luxury. That's a luxury and a very positive uh, <laughs> uh, experience Yeah, for me, or yeah. part of being in Oslo. Good. But I'm a little afraid about winter. <laughs> it's going to be my first winter in Norway. Yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully you'll Not get much. into skiing and then it won't be more fun. Yeah, <laughs> or sledging or something. Yeah. So, um, maybe some hot angelic soup. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. But do you know any place where angelica is uh, 
grown, cultivated here, close by? Do people cultivate Angelica still, it like is. in the Viking times? No, I mean they have. There are some gardens where they have it. I know one uh, bar- garden, very yeah. famous one, the Botanic Garden. Yes, for example. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Find it there. Yeah. But I don't, I, I mean, there are also places you can buy it mm. um, with where people have gathered um, yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, Dick, would you mind to mention any of these places? Well, I think, uh, I think uh, probably Rolf.no website, they have, uh, they have uh, been sending, I'm not sure if they have it or not, but it, they might do. And then there's also um, Tornogorn. If you search Tornogorn, then they might have it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Maybe that's a good idea for some uh, site research project to actually check on the chemical differences of the... Yeah, the Norwegian one. The Norwegian and my Chinese one. Yeah, mm. I think that would be really fun for us in Norway to find out about well, I should keep you updated. Yeah, yeah, thanks a lot. And, yeah, pity is that... We can't get the Chinese uh, Angelica here. Yes. If you find any Chinese Angelica here, it is not legal. <laughs> that's for sure. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Um, But you can just travel to any neighboring countries. <laughs> and get it, yeah. And get it. That's yeah. true. Yeah, they're not as strict as us. So is there anything uh, I haven't asked that you want to uh, say? Hope Is there anything you've got... Um, you want to share with the world or do you feel like we've covered um, the main areas um, I think we covered a lot yeah 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 I mean there's lots of things to add but I think we could I don't know it's getting too chaotic too much information from <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> different parts yeah so I feel yeah this could be Yeah, well, I th- yeah, I th- as you say, I think we could go on for a couple of hours, but we won't um, hold the listeners uh, sitting for too long. Um, so thanks a lot, Feli. Thank for, you uh, for inviting me. me. It was great. Excellent. Um, that is uh, Ugress at Radio Rakel. Hadi was the technician today, and I'm Mari. Um, thanks for listening. <laughs>